Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Before we uh, begin, and, and I know that uh, mm-hmm. we're going to uh, devote the beginning of the show to the research you did on the uh, the last witness, uh, there is uh, bad news out of the world. Um, for those that are follow uh, uh, worldwide news, and particularly Israeli news, uh, you knew it was coming. Um, Israel uh, announced uh, yesterday that the South African uh, variant had arrived in its country. There were a number of, uh, of diagnosed cases and that uh, it is going to uh, likely uh, be as bad as, as COVID was two years ago. Uh, the reason that this is a, uh, a time of real concern is that the South African variant has 30 mutations uh, to the spike protein. The spike protein is how the virus attaches to human cells and then replicates. Uh, this was the gain-of-function research that was done in the Wunan lab in, uh, in China, and, uh, and it was already bad. Um, uh, the RO factor on this has, has been exceedingly high, and the Delta variant was uh, much higher than the original variant. But there are uh, uh, two aspects of the... Uh, what's now being called the Omicron uh, that are very, very concerning. The first is that it is very similar to uh, the beta uh, variant um, in South Africa where um, it is uh, vaccine resistant. So the vaccines thus far do not seem to be very effective against it. And uh, second it is um, uh, far more contagious and spreads more rapidly through the body because of the mutations to the spike protein. The reason I'm sharing this is that 
I think about uh, six months ago, I reported what the supercomputers had analyzed in terms of the progression of COVID. And they said that we're in it for another two years. Um, and I, I don't think that's correct. I think it's going to be longer than that. I don't know uh, if we'll ever know a world different than what we've come to know under this. Uh, and there's you know, a lot of different issues. Uh, you know, first, there are places, like I live on a group of islands, where um, the population is mostly uh, uh, African, of African descent. And um, there is just wholesale um, conspiracy uh, among them. And so we only have 30% uh, vaccination rates. Um, uh, today I was on my boat and I saw uh, groups of, of the locals coming in uh, from a party island uh, offshore here where you'd have 25 people sitting in a boat that's probably rated for 10, nobody wearing masks. And of course, none of them would have been vaccinated or very few. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have all of the uh, genetic markers that uh, are uh, make them exceedingly susceptible to uh, to long-term COVID and, and COVID uh, serious illness and COVID death. Uh, with these kind of mutations um, and the RO factor where it is and, and the fact that while the majority of people that get COVID don't even know they have it, they're asymptomatic, there are many who have a long-term called long-haul COVID, long-term debilitating symptoms. There's others who die from it. Um, it, is, uh, it is a horrible disease because it has elements of HIV and Ebola and the SARS virus all wrapped into it. And um, liberal politicians have used it to lock down, to have absolute control over populations, which humans do not fare well under uh, deprivations of freedoms. We've all said that by doing it, the, the death from other causes, uh, spousal abuse, uh, alcoholism, suicide, uh, is actually going to cause more deaths than COVID itself, and that's probably going to be true in the long haul. Um, and it is also because they've uh, liberals think that that businessmen are uh, are idiots and that they're so much smarter than everybody else. So they rush to be able to say that we have essential and non-essential businesses, and we're going to shut the non-essential businesses down. Well, what I said the moment that was uh, spoken is that they don't know the complexity of uh, free enterprise, where uh, people trying to, to serve others create products that make it all work and that it is a symbiotic uh, economic system. And there are so many uh, parts to it that you can't designate what can run and what cannot run without severely disrupting uh, the supply chains. I mean, it's everything from cardboard packing material to mm -hmm. uh, transportation to 
uh, fuel supplies, uh, to the raw materials themselves to make things, uh, and uh, an access to labor. It, and what we're experiencing now is, is that the shelves are empty of many staples. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, prices on, on normal commodities have skyrocketed. Uh, and we've destroyed our currency because, as we discussed last show, we, we have you know, spent, what, $8 trillion on a variety of government's super programs to, uh, to stimulate the economy again, as if the liberals think that just by flooding the, uh, the economy with money, that's the same thing as creating something of value, but it's uh, it's devastating because it robs everyone uh, because uh, inflation is the nastiest government compensation scheme of all. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. It's uh, it's looking dire, um, and I don't think there's any uh, hope in sight. Uh, and I'm I'm wondering. Well, it's clear that being vaccinated is the the uh, most reasonable logical, healthiest call that any individual can make. Uh, I'm not certain that even if we did have very high vaccination rates, uh, that we'd be able to endure this because it's going to multiply in places where the vaccination rates are going to be low for lots of reasons, uh, like throughout uh, Africa. And that's the reason why in that community we got variants. We got variants in India as well. So, so long as it's like that, and like the Dutch announced today, there's just one plane load of people that um, about a third of the passengers coming in from Africa had COVID. What do you do with them? Uh, you know, it mm-hmm. just doesn't, it's uh, the world is, uh, uh, travels so freely, so quickly that, um, and we do, we're, we're in a horrible situation. So I, I don't think there's going to be a resolution here. Uh, before we, uh, we move into chapter three of Kaporum, which is the best day ever, is the byline for the chapter. Uh, Kirk, you did a lot of research. For those that want to follow along, you can go to yadaya.com. And on yadaya.com, if you click the community uh, link at the top of the page, at the bottom right, you'll see uh, who is the second witness, a PDF of Kirk's analysis, uh, David and uh, Jackie were able to um, uh, get it online for uh, today's program. Yeah. So, Kirk, I want to let you share what uh, what you found using the uh, pictographic letters of Hebrew. Certainly. Uh, thank you. And uh, uh, I'm going to make a few comments just to set it all up uh, before I go right to the uh, five pages of uh, material that I put together. Now, um, I also want to thank uh, Jackie. She's wow. She is so helpful. <laughs> and, uh, and David. David is the one and that David, got it yes, posted. Because, if, if you can't get there, is, it doesn't matter. Yes. So, uh, mm-hmm. so uh, no, absolutely. Both of them and, and all parties involved. So, uh, yeah. but um, what? Um, uh, one of the ways that, uh, as you know, but as a lot of people may not know that I translate is using ancient pictographs to confirm or further identify little nuances and things that I can find. And um, because the, the, um, 
the ancient Hebrew alphabet, you know, it starts with 22 letters, but um, the Torah, the Nabi, and the Psalm, and the Mismor, I should say, contain only about 8,000 words. I did a little research this week and found mm-hmm. that there was 8,193 words, and I assume they're counting some of the roots, and some of them probably twice because of verb, some of verbal nouns. And uh, whereas the uh, English has 470,000 uh, words and another 100,000 borrowed or adopted words, and I thought to myself, when I, now that leads to a lot of confusion and opportunities for people uh, yep. for malfeasance, like like what the Tristans do with their, um, and people like that do with these words. You can just make use all kind. I find that all the time, which makes it difficult for me to uh, translate. In fact, I spend almost as much time looking up in dictionaries the English translation to see why they use that word. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they've got a tremendous palate to just move everything along, where in Hebrew you don't. You have, um, like I say, you have, and the Torah only has eight, a little over 8,000 words. And what I want to remind some people that may not be familiar of it is that uh, Hebrew being the first language, uh, Yahweh had, um, Yahweh's Malach had to confuse man's language in order to uh, prolong the life of his people. And what happened in all the, all the things that I've read, you have uh, several areas that have uh, developed their own pictographs. Obviously, the Egyptians uh, have hundreds and hundreds of pictographs. The Chinese have thousands. Mesopotamia, they use those triangle symbols, and those are really confusion, uh, confusing. And then even the Mayans had hundreds of pictographs. But um, And now we have, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but now we have 6,909 distinct languages in the world. So, so trying to put this in English and do what you do is quite amazing. Um, the um, so armed with a little bit of information on what we do, and uh, I like to look at the uh, letters. So when we were in the last section on Zechariah four one, starting there, the things that we did last week, here is what um, I was discovering, and as I was analyzing and looking for the second witness. So I'm going to read this, and then you jump in wherever you feel uh, you'd like to. Okay. All right. Uh, Hebrew letters and symbols that convey concepts as well as sounds. I always keep in mind the context, and that context is the most important element in translation words, but also pictographs correctly. That is, uh, y'all's monster, you and JB have always advised me about that. So I took it to heart. So while examining Zechariah 4.2, I noticed that the word gala, is translated as a bowl in English linear, interlinearies and Bibles. And Moed appointments in chapter 2, Kapurim, Yada translates Gala as being, as, as being revealed, being expressed, and made known. In context, the heavenly messenger is showing Zachariah something. While Gala can be something round or a mound of dirt or rocks or a bowl, a bowl, rather, becomes nonsensical. The two-letter variable root, gall, the yam and the lamb, tell us that it means to uncover or to expose something. Now, all that's fine, but the fun part began with the Hebrew letters as I moved along. The the word uh, lamb, uh, I'm sorry, uh, gam, lamb. Galal. Hey. Yeah. Uh-huh, galal. Uh, these pictographs, which seem to show a man walking away from being led and 
becoming one walking to Yahweh with reverence. Uh, I'm sorry, being led away from becoming one who is walking to Yahweh with reverence and respect for him. But that doesn't fit the context of what is and will shortly be revealed. So not revealing something important to uh, to Yahweh for for Zachariah is is what um, is happening here. So the lamb or the gam rather, with the L-shaped foot going in the wrong direction or the gimel, as it's called now, is most apt description for goim when um, who walk away from Yahweh. If this is a goy, I thought to myself, how can that be? What if instead it's a goy seeking out Israel? Israel and other non-Yehudim in order to lead them to Yahweh. To verify this, I needed to find a little more evidence uh, of this to corroborate my supposition. Mm-hmm. So next, Yahweh took us, Yada rather, took us to Yahshua 11.1. Immediately, we encountered a stem or a sucker or a choder, and we were confronted with the word Giza. Or Giza. It is spelled with a gam or gimel, and it means to walk and gather together. A zain uh, or zayin is to cut a path to harvest. It is a, followed by an aleph, which is strength, leader, authority, and empowered. In this case, by the Ruach Kodesh, the aleph often refers to Yahweh, a ram's head, or a head of, who is the head of the flock. So pictorial, pictographically, we have uh, G-Z-A, which can mean the goy cutting or creating a path to Yahweh. The G uh, Z, the Zane, is the verbal root which means to shear or to remove the wool from a sheep to make cover or clothing for the family. Or it can mean to pull, remove the wool from one's eyes. Or it can be the goy using an agricultural implement to harvest the sheep. It doesn't have to be a plow in that regard, it could just be a, a, symbol, a symbol. If we identify the <clears throat> If we identify the children, it's probably all of the above. If we're identifying the children, it's probably all of the above that would apply, in my opinion. Next, we encounter the children, a sucker emerging from a rootstock or of an olive tree, serving as a secondary source of growth. And Yashia is not giving a lesson in botany. He's describing an individual who is willing to listen, who is committed to thinking while collecting things that y'all values. So can the pictograph support this? I, I think so. We've got choder, which is a chet, sometimes called a het, uh, to protect, to separate, to corral, a tent wall, walls and fences that cut people into or out of the family. It is how shepherds protect the sheep and how they make uh, even a makeshift fence out of thorns, followed by the word tet, or the letter tet, rather, to surround, to enclose, or encounter, container or a basket to protect valuables. And the tetiv is, is equivalent to the tall in many ways. It can represent a signpost, a doorway, a mark, a monument, an upright pole, or a beam. And then the resh, or sometimes it's now called a rosh, which is the top, beginning, the best, an observant one who engages in all, all five senses to understand and then acts upon the knowledge. And secondarily, this particular choder would have to be a goy, a non-Yehudim, non-Israeli engaged in this activity. Further, in Yahshua 11.1, the children will stand out and be noticed and draw, it, and draw it based on the name associated here as Yeshe and Yesh, conveying to
to exist, to stand out, there is something that exists. So pictographically, yes is drawn from a yod shin. That's the hand reaching down and teeth. It is not a stretch here to say that Yahweh is lifting up a voice. This is this has to be referring to the second voice since we already know that El Yah has already been identified. And Zachariah would have known that. Now we're introduced to the children with words that further identify his characteristics. And the next word I encountered was Nestor, um, which is done with a is written with a nun, a tassad, and a roche, which is an observant branch. The significance of Nestor is explained by a verbal root Natsar, which is spelled the same way. Natsar is done with a nun, uh, tassad or sod, and a resh which means to watch over and to protect, to preserve. Um, the shepherd watches over the sheep and leads them to the pastures. They are led down the correct path to safety. Shepherds build booths, by the way, is also in the description, or the definition from branches that uh, for shade for the sheep. And I said, think of sukkah. That's what um, Yahweh would do. In the middle of the word, I found to sod. Now, this is interesting. I put this one in. I think it was, in it. I believe it's for Mike, because it's the only other letter that faces to the right. And here it shows a shepherd watching over the flock, just like a father figure at the doorway that is often described in using as a doorway in the tent and the family home and the doorway uh, of his tent. And that's a positive um, connotation. Yeah, I'm not sure that letter really mm -hmm. goes. That letter really goes to the right. You know, it's the feet. Yeah, the feet are feet are on the right side. The head is on mm -hmm. the left side. The uh, the head yeah. is a lot more valuable than the feet. And so, yeah. with the head on the left side, you know, it seems to me that uh, that that letter can go either way and um, is really not. A, a letter that you would say moves to the uh, the right versus the uh, the left. Uh, I think the only letter that definitely moves to the right the gimel. is the gimel, and uh, and this yeah. one is uh, uh, can be either way. Well, the other thing that you might consider too is it is drawn in, and I looked up a lot of the pictographs that go back to about fifteen hundred year, uh, fifteen hundred BCE. Yeah. And by the way, and they have it. Other, they have it. Uh -huh. One other thought on just the uh, the uh -huh. uh, Tasday is that it's the if you translate a lot and you're you come across a word with the Tasday, uh, mm -hmm. it's going to be intense. Um, but there are there are as many with Tasday just whoa that's not a good thing uh, as there are mm -hmm. wow that's a really good thing like. Um, easily one of the top five words in Hebrew, certainly the top ten, is Sadak. Sadak mm -hmm. begins oh, yeah. with Tazdeh. Yeah, um, no joke. And yeah. so Sadak means right, to be correct, to be uh, upright, to uh, to be vindicated, to be acquitted. Uh, Zion, the uh, signpost along the way, uh, is mm -hmm. with a, uh, a Tazdeh. Uh, Aaron, sure, yeah. the promised land, yeah. has one right in the middle of it. So there are a yeah. lot of very positive words with a Tazdi, um, and there are some uh, negative ones as well. So I don't look at the Tazdi as necessarily a, a, a letter going the wrong direction. The, the only one that is universally, that letter is going in the wrong direction, is mm -hmm. the uh, Gimel, uh, which is the first yeah. letter of Goyim. 
but even in that case, uh, there are, on occasion, uh, depending on the context, there are positive uh, uh, connotations, like all to uh, to roll away. Of course. Um, and Yahweh uses it to roll away our uh, religious and political corruption. Um, so uh, there are times when there is a a G word that does have um, positive connotations. Uh, so it's it's not all black and white. The context no. is is largely indicative of whether yeah. or not uh, yeah. something is positive or negative. And in fact, yeah. if you even yet, look at the, the two letters that you have in Netzer, uh, mm-hmm. with the the nun, which I, from my thinking, looks far more like a uh, a sperm than it does a uh, a sure. uh, a seed that has taken root. But let's uh, oh, yeah. either agree. way, either way, the the concepts are the same, uh, and we recognize that it is moving right to left in the direction that Hebrew flows. When you see it next to the TASDE, those mm-hmm. letters are really similar looking. Yeah. I mean, if, if where the TASDE is a is a little more horizontal, uh, and uh, the uh, nun is a, a bit more uh, uh, towards the vertical, they're otherwise mm-hmm. exceedingly similar. And we we are, you know, we'll very quickly say, well, the None is moving right to left. Well, if it is, then so is the Tasday. Mm-hmm. Well, I could picture, looking. yeah, I could picture that as someone sitting on their haunches, you know, tired or resting there or looking out over the fields or over the, uh, in front of the tent, as they is describing one of the, in one of the things. One yeah. of those cons. But the, the trouble I have with the picture there is that I don't actually see being it on his side. Yeah. I don't actually see it. I see it. I see it as that in the ancient world where we didn't have furniture like we have now. I see it mm-hmm. as a person that is in the perfect position to uh, get comfortable reading something. Well, that's that was another issue I had with because the knees look like they're up in the air. And that's not yes. where you sleep. That's not the way you turn on your side either. You no, enjoy that's that correct. Thing. Yes. So I, I think it's a position that you'd be in to. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. To read, you could be in that position to be observant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, so uh, it's not a negative letter, by no, it really, no. no, no. Most of the most no, of the words no. with the tazi in it are intense, but there is as uh, there is as many as positive as there are negative. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's yeah. I, that's 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 a filter's choice. <laughs> yes, I, I think I agree more to, that is. Uh, it is not. It certainly isn't a negative thing by itself. So then I went on to say that uh, in the middle of the word, we found the Taste once again, and it is the only. Yeah, we, I said that, then I? Uh, next, we find Shiresh. Shiresh, of course. Now, I wrote it out as the way I found it was uh, when it's pronounced with a Shiresh, but regardless, uh, I have found it written as a, um, a uh, Shin Wa. Um, Rosh Shin. With nourishing the Shin, of course, is always nourishing words. Uh, those in, in this context, the Torah, the Nabi, and the Psalms. The Wa would be increasing, or increases and adds to the family while securing the home, uh, which would mean the roots um, 
and takes root. It can mean uh, root or take root in the soil. I found increased understanding by observation. And, um, and then also uh, the Roche or the Resh now is called observant man top, first beginning, best, one who carefully considers and closely examines Yahweh's words. Um, the Shin, once again, at the end would be nourishing words. So what you have in, is with the Roche and the Shin is the only name in the pictograph for the observant man and the, what he's observing. And it's interesting, I thought, that it was buttressed uh, on both sides by, uh, by, I'm sorry, it was buttressed on both sides the, by the uh, shin, by nourishing words. So you have the observant one and the one that's increased in his observation uh, on both sides with nourishing words. And I thought that was interesting. I don't think I've seen too many words that are written that way. And finally, we, I found para, which is uh, pei resh hei. And it means to be fruitful and is to produce new individuals of the same kind. Uh, symbolizes the pay, symbolizes words. And when studied, understood, and shared, the Roche produces a hay, which is engaged individuals who walk to y'all with reverence. So at this point, I can count two words identifying the, a goy and four words emphasizing an observant man, and all six of which are engaged in calling out to or guiding Yahweh's people home where they'd be safe and thrive. We went next to Yashiya 11.2, was followed by that. And this individual is being identified as a goy, uh, needs and wants all the divine power and energy he can get, I would assume, I would hope. And Yahweh tells us that he and Elyah receive seven gifts. I think I'm correct there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a um, a Rosh, a Wa, and a Chet for Ruach is how you would spell the Ruach. And it is the breath of man, and it also defines one's character. Its verbal form depicts it as being refreshed. And perhaps I thought that referred to the uh, maybe 2030 when Elyar returns on Pesach along with the second witness. That's uh, something you'll have to tell me. But the Hebrew, uh, just a historical note I put in there, Hebrew nomads were aware of wind patterns and following the prescribed path aided by the seasons. So the spirit of the spirit of quick understanding and insights would also be germane there to the Ruach. Uh, pictographically, the, ro- the roach and chet, the verbal root, one who care- means one who cares, carefully considers and closely examines Yah's words and is protected. The spirit rock is root is um, the roach, the wa, and the chet, and it becomes increased in all manner with the addition to those, the wa. It becomes increased in all manner of understanding and energy, which is a pretty nice gift. We're talking about the first gift that's mentioned in the new walk. We also find the new walk, which gives them rest, energy, freedom, and protection from enemies. That's a pretty cool gift. Mm-hmm. And then the spirit, the next, the next one, number two, spirit provides chakma. And chakma is wisdom, skill, wit, and understanding, and the ability to share and teach this wisdom. Chakma has a, has a four-letter. It has a chet, which means to separate truth and lies and discern good versus bad, because all the chets, all the fences will divide things, both good and bad, or this one in that way. The cough 
is an open hand, uh, is to open one's eye, I believe, to understand using technical skills. And I'll refer to that in just a second. The mem is cleansing water, which is a life symbol. And the hay is an engaged, is to engage and to walk in an awe-inspiring walk towards awe-inspiring Yahweh along his chosen path. Now, if you notice on the chakma, you the three letters, uh, the first three letters are the chet, cough, and mem, and that is the actual word for a skilled one. So it's uh, pretty definitive there. The third spirit you found was the spirit of Bana. Spirit understanding, uh, characterized by comprehension, good sense, and ability to connect the parts and see the whole, Bana, which is a um, is a bet, yod, nun, hey. Pictographically, those in Yahweh's family's home are lifted up and aided by him, that's the Yah, and grow from potential children, the sperm, into engaged adults, the hay, through the ability to understand. The fourth spirit that was given to him is an esta, or este, etse, I'm sorry. There's the facade uh, the again. Or the uh, tesde, is that the way it's pronounced? Uh-huh. Uh, advice and counsel. It's the advice and counsel and also a tree because it's upright and firm. Remember, this is a um, pictographic, I mean, this is a concrete language understood by the five senses. And they would, have, they would equate the tree and spine with, uh, with upright, being upright. So you have the um, ain, ayin or ain, an eye and, a, and sight symbol used to observe and perceive. It represents the perspective of a man or Yahweh paying attention to the task at him, which in this case is Kapurim, the task day, a rested man observing the flock as a shepherd would do in any case, observing something valuable, Yah's yeah, think, perspective. Think, think, and uh, yeah, think of that, that position again of the task day. If you yeah. are in that position, uh, your mm-hmm. eyes are definitely looking up. You're, it's even more than the uh, the hay. You know, we always talk about the hay. Somebody standing up, reaching up, looking up to God. Well, if mm-hmm. you're in that hay position, you're the only way that you can look up is you've got to you know, kick your neck way back. In the Tazi mm-hmm. position, you are looking straight That's up pretty, to the heavens. It's pretty insightful too. Yeah. So that is a. Um, certainly depicted as an observant individual. Well, that's how you would observe the stars, isn't it? Yep. So yep. at night, at night you would be looking up that way. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. good. Very good. And then, hey, to reveal, the, in this case, uh, mm-hmm. reveal the Torah, to revere, regard with awe and respect. Uh, this can be the one given, uh, given the counsel as well as the goal of the one receiving the advice. The fifth uh, spirit is Gubuah or Jebuah, Gura. This word represents one of bravery and courage, one who defends one's property and or conviction, the property of Yah's family, and the conviction is affirming the truth, in my opinion. And it applies as much about the mental toughness as it does physical strength. Gubura uh, is written with, and I isolated these on the, on the sheet. If you can see one of the sheets, you'll see that I've isolated the uh, Gimel uh, from the four letters to the left. The verbal root, which is the Gimel um, 
Biet and the Roche as one of great strength and authority and ability to preserve, persevere rather. Pictographically, we're again confronted with a Goy looking, seeking, and in my opinion, he's seeking, he has to be, seeking those who are walking, walking away or have walked away. The next four pictographs speak to a family home, a covenant increased in number and person, personal capacity to be one who is closely exam, who, who closely examines rather and carefully considers Yah's word in order to become engaged, empowered, and enlivened an enlivened member of Yah's family. The sixth, the sixth spirit, which is Da'af, this was kind of interesting here to me, um, is a Dilet, uh, Ain, and a Ta. This particular doorway to this particular doorway to the life eternal, the Pesach door, the Ain, Ain is an eye that observes with a newly found perspective and is perceiving the Ta which represents the upright pole, the signpost of uh, Zion, and a mark or even a monument. That is why the auth meaning is discernment, the ability to grasp and comprehend, which is to so many seems so obscure and unknowable. It's the ability to recognize the truth. If you had this spirit, then you would recognize some of these things. So uh, people just don't. It kind of answered the question for me, um, why don't people get it? You know, they just don't seem to have the ability to uh, put it together or don't care. Um, so I, um, you know, and uh, the verbal root is helpful. It's the uh, delete or delete and the aim. It means to see and to know. Experience and observation provide us with great knowledge. And a little side note is that um, yada <laughs> is the why is the yad. Uh, delete and ain verb to no relation. The other verb name has the same verbal root with the, um, I always look for the verbal roots. They seem to be helpful with the um, delete, delete, and the aim that you find in day off. And the seventh one, and we're getting to the conclusion here, and the seventh one is uh, yara, ah, which is to revere, respect, and to stand in awe of Yahweh. And it is not fear. And I wanted to talk about that for just a second because think about you, you've got this word that has a yod reaching down and lifting up a um, a person who is a rosh, a person who is uh, concentrating or, or, or studying uh, the Aleph and becoming with the intention of studying God in this case, God's word at least, uh, with the with the final note being reaching the state of being hey um, how can how can you fear how can you find fear out of a hand that's reaching down to lift you up yeah really I mean unless he's going to lift you up to hit you it's an open hand it's not a fist <laughs> no it's not a fist it's not a pounding down so what I what I said I broke these down to the yard and I said yards are lords who push down make one obey and bow down and eliminate free will uh, this symbol is a yard which is kneeling down to lift up his children to reconcile and set them free. If you can get fear out of that, you're a better man than I. Yeah. The Roche, or worse. <laughs> yeah, or worse, yeah. The Roche is uh, the one who he's lift, he lifts up. And are those who care enough to shamar or closely examine and carefully consider his words in the Torah. 
The Aleph is an authority figure, a leader, a protector, one who has power and strength. He represents a, man, a ram's head, rather, and a leader and a protector of the flock. And the hay symbolizes, once again, the person who has become engaged, walking down the correct path and looking up and reaching up to Yah, our Father. The seven gifts are quite a deal. Then on Zechariah, to say the least, Zechariah 4.3, yes. the one last word on where we began and then found, mm-hmm. wound up again with Dali in this passage. And the Hebrews aligned. Now, this is something we, can, we might uh, disagree with. I'm not sure what you think about this, but the Hebrews aligned, aligned or aligned, oriented themselves towards the east as modern Arab people orient themselves to the north. Therefore, the first witness, the Goy, is, would be in the west and speaks, and, speak, and speaks to the Yehudim, which are 50% reside in the west. And the second, Elyah, came from the east. He came from Israel. But regardless, it's interesting to note again, this is another word with two things wrapped around it. You have the lamb that leads the way to that which is being revealed, directing all of us home. It's buttressed again by two witnesses, the Gemma, which is the Goy, and the Hay, the established one already. So a few years ago, uh, let me just say, this, let me conclude with this, if I may. A few years ago, I had the good fortune to be invited to join the Shattering Mist radio program. And it ran five days a week for two hours, and then it was extended later to three hours per show. The host announced that he preferred to be called Yada in order to divert attention from himself so as to focus on the translations and the insights that were forthcoming. I found the following statement quite amazing as we were going through this passage. He said, Zachariah asked the spiritual messenger, why are these here, sir? That's in Zachariah 4.4. And the heavenly representative who had spoken with me answered, and he said to me, why do you not know Yada or understand what this represents? So I looked up Yada, 3045. And of course, once again, we have a Yada, a delete, and an and repeat it again. You see, it means to have an intimate relationship with another person, an idea, or an experience, in this case, Yahweh. It means to know. It's a verbal root, relate to Ayin, means to see and to know. I thought it, it is interesting to notice that the proper perception to obtain uh, is obtained after one passes through the peace out door. I mean, the minute I committed early in my own life uh, to recognize what these, what, what the Moed Mikros, to go through, go walk that path, uh, is when I started to really start to perceive things on, on such a higher level. And also, one should notice that the one seeking the relationship and the knowledge is aided by Yahweh's helping hand, the Ruach Kodesh. That's the Yad and the Yada. If one wishes to Yada Yahweh, the answers are found in Yada Yahweh series. Knowing Yahweh and what he is offering is the mission of these books. This has all been made possible by one called Yada. Now you should know who the two witnesses are. And that's what I, those were the notes. Yeah, that's a so little... powerful insights that can be uh, deduced from, of all things, the original alphabet, the way that uh, it was yeah. conceived, which made it possible for even an illiterate person to know what the words were conveying. Yes, sir. You know, a, a hand that is 
uh, leading you towards a uh, the doorway to a uh, a home, uh, and followed by the eye for perspective, so that you can see, perceive, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore know about that uh, both that doorway and the uh, the home is the relational construct of uh, of Yada, no question about it. Well, we're going to start until you get through the door. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. We're going to uh, return to um, the the text of of Kaporama. I've uh, designated this particular chapter as Chapter Three of Five Chapters on Kaporam, uh, called the best day ever. And I have called it the best day ever because it became apparent that that while the most important day for us is matzah. Uh, Pesach Matzah and Bakotam, the Chag Matzah, uh, is where we become immortal, perfected, and adopted into Yahweh's family. But Matzah is not a lot of fun for Yahweh. Uh, in fact, it's the antithesis of it. Uh, he suffered as the Pesach Gael, the Passover lamb. He suffered even more as uh, his soul went into Sheol uh, so that he could ransom us uh, and remove the stench of religion. Uh, so that we could be uh, adopted into his family. Well, Kapuram is an entirely different scenario. Every aspect of Kapuram is positive, and it doesn't matter uh, if there are uh, uh, three people there or 3,000 or 3 million. Um, the very fact is that on this day, Yahweh is going to be celebrating his covenant relationship with the descendants of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. And that's the day that Yahweh is most looking forward to. This is the happiest day in the, uh, of not only of the year for him, but the happiest day of his long existence is the fulfillment of Yom Kippur. So the most interesting and important day in the long march of time since the universe was created is indeed Yom Kippurim, the day of reconciliations, as it will be fulfilled in year 6000 Yah. That's going to occur at sunset in Jerusalem on October 2nd, 2033. The more we learn about it, the events leading up to its fulfillment, Really, the more effective we become as witnesses on behalf of, uh, of Yahweh, and that is our role uh, as covenant members. But beyond this, we can all come to appreciate how Yahweh's long ordeal with his people from the perspective uh, of this being a joyous reunion, and so, so much of the aches and pains and the frustrations are resolved on this day. Leading to it, though, these will be cathartic years. Um, We talked about at the beginning of this program that Mm -hmm. the world changed uh, likely forever. Uh, Two years ago, um, now uh, January of uh, 2020, with the arrival of the COVID-19 pandemic and the international deprivation of people's liberties and livelihoods, which is going to get worse as we move towards uh, this time of Jacob's troubles. Collectively, uh, 
the liberal application of government destroyed currencies, destroyed supply chains, and uh, economies, ravaging people's lives. The anti-Semitism has grown worse as a result. It is sweeping the globe with shrill voices insisting upon the two-state solution. And it's going to serve as the impetus for World War III, just as Neville Chamberlain's surrender of Czechoslovakia to the Nazis led to the Second World War. The years between 2026 and 2033, particularly between 2029 and 2033, are going to be horrific. They're beyond our current comprehension as mankind evolves towards uh, the abyss. And at the end of it, there's going to be light for some and eternal darkness for others. So the decisions we make now, with the information that has been made available to us, will determine the outcome of each individual soul. So from one breath to the next, we go from the sons of the anointed standing before Yahweh to this. And this is what Zechariah reports. This is Zechariah 5.1. Then I turned and lifted my eyes, and I saw right to there a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? Hey, Zach, what's that? <laughs> You didn't do so good on the last one. Maybe you'd be a little better on this one than I answered. I see a flying scroll. Its length is about uh, 20 cubits, which is um, about 30 feet. Uh, And its width is 10 cubits, which is about 15 feet. And he said to me, this is the consequence of breaking the binding agreement which exists over the face of the entire earth. This is because everyone who takes away from this or deceives regarding it will be banished and will be forced to endure eternity elsewhere. While everyone who swears an oath will also be swept away and banished. I will produce it and I will extend it prophetically declares Yahweh of the vast array of spiritual messengers and it will happen upon the home of the deceiver and thief and on the house of the one who swears an allegiance in my name using my reputation which is deceptive and misleading then then it will remain in the midst of his house and consume it from the timbers to the stones. Zechariah 5, 4, 1 through 4. So we go from these two witnesses. They're mm-hmm. on either side of a menorah. They're represented by the olive tree. Uh, and they're anointed by Yah to convey his message. And above them, what do we see? Scroll. A, flying, a flying scroll. Now, yeah. my first inclination was the Torah up there. 
Okay. I'm not sure. Yahweh has repeatedly said that he's going to lift up a sign, a nesh. Could be that sign. That could be uh, lifted above uh, their heads. There would be an advantage of the sign over the Torah. And that is the Torah is written in uh, Paleo-Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a language very few people worldwide speak or can mm-hmm. read. Uh, and um, the Torah speaks of lots of things that really aren't pertinent to this moment in time. That's correct. Yeah. If it is, in fact, the Nesh, because God has said he's going to lift up a uh, design mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and it just certainly appears that the sign that he's going to lift up is the one that's associated with the Nacri and the Choder, and therefore one of those two witnesses. If that is in fact the case, then we've got a lot of things going on. One is, is that sign in the language that is read by more people than any other on the planet? The answer would be yes. English. Number two, is that sign written in a language that is read and understood and spoken by more Jews than any other? Once again. And the answer is yes. Does that sign, if it is in fact Yada Yahweh, does it focus on that which is pertinent for that particular day? The would be yes. Does that Yadaya series, if it's the Nesh, uh, does it include the Torah? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, volume two of an introduction to God focuses on Moshe's uh, speeches, Dabadim. Uh, Four, for example, six, uh, for example, 29 and 30. Brilliant. And stunningly pertinent. Did you know that, that when um, Moshe is, is speaking to the people and, and the body 29 and 30, that he's speaking of us today? The entire bit of it is, is prophetic, has nothing to do with the people that are standing there listening to him. It is all about us today. Having that visible, would you be able to say, well, this is in the Torah, pertinent to what is occurring right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Torah has a nice blend of uh, accommodation and condemnation. but so does the Nesh. And then the Nesh takes what's in the Torah and prophets and makes it particularly condemning of Judaism, which didn't even exist at the time, Christianity, which didn't exist at the yes. time, and Islam, which didn't exist at the time, and so progressive secular. liberalism, yeah. which didn't exist at the time. So it, it actually could be that that's what 
what is being lifted up above uh, their heads. And wow. then you might say, well, you know, that's pretty pompous of you to say that uh, that's what uh, the Malak's going to lift up. But no, because what, what, is, what is yada What is yada yada based upon? Translating the yeah, it's just translating. Uh, what is its message? It's to call Yahweh's people home and to assail those who stand in the way. This scroll is not being lifted up in this particular case as at this time uh, to call the Goyim home. They've, they've either made they their decision uh, or they haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. there is still, at this point, another three years where Yisrael will be uh, listening and seeing. And, and one of the things that God says is that, and it's in the body, that, you know, I, I've made it impossible for you to understand. But I'm going to change that. I'm going to open your eyes. And maybe that is coterminous with this, so that that there's going to be an explosion of those uh, who are Israelites, Jews, who are going to be able to understand and accept Yahweh, Yada Yahweh, for the first time. So there is that possibility, and and keep in mind that 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 well, I'm always worried when I'm to take anything out of uh um, out of revelation. There is indication uh in the prophets uh that these last two witnesses are not gonna be pacifists. They aren't gonna be just uh there saying, Hey folks, you know, it's time to wake up. Yeah I was calling you, please pay attention. No, somebody comes with a stupid argument, they're going to incinerate them. Hmm. This is, uh, uh, what God is saying here is that I'm no longer trying to the Goyim world. I'm not even trying to wake up the political and religious Jewish world. That isn't my job right now. I'm here to tell you that what's written here explains why the vast majority of you are going to Sheol. If you read these words, there's no mention of a middle ground, uh, which has been the place where most souls have gone up to this point, which has just ceasing mm-hmm. to exist. No, these souls are going to Sheol. So it's, uh, it's going to be very much like Elias' confrontation with the the prophets of, uh, prophets of Baal. Asherah and Baal. Uh-huh. Um, he killed them. So oh. uh, I, I think that's what we're dealing with here. You know, and and as you translate the uh, uh, Moshe's last public speech, he's saying that just as God wiped out people, exterminated them for attacking Israel. Um, in the end, that's what he's going to do again. So this is an exceedingly harsh 
response to people who have been exceedingly harsh to Israel for a long time. This is a consequence. What does he say? He says, he, it's okay, here's this scroll. It's, uh, it's a big billboard up there in the sky. It's in our measuring systems, 30 feet by 15 feet. Uh, kind of the uh, aspect ratio of a giant television, a widescreen TV from today's uh, viewpoint. And so the Malak said, this is a consequence of breaking the binding agreement. He, in fact, the word there is Allah. This is the curse of Allah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, what is, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which extends over the face of the entire earth. That's a man has gotten it wrong, and I'm here to tell you that through my prophets, I explained this and gave you every opportunity to get it right. I want to know why. I want you to know why you're being convicted. But this is no longer a call to come home. This is conviction. Now I think it's a little, you know, that the world at this point is divided into uh, into only two groups. Yeah. You've got Israelites who are not religious and not political, who are interested in hearing what Yahweh has to say and want to yada Yahweh. And I can't tell you if that is going to be 7,000 of them or 7 million of them. Doesn't The quantity actually doesn't mean a lot to Yahweh. He'd rather have one more like Dode than he would have uh, seven million like Aaron. Uh, but that's, that's one group, and the other group is all the rest. Whether they actually be Goyim, or they be Israelites acting like Goyim because of their politics and their religion. Mm-hmm. And so this is, a, uh, this is being presented to condemn. This is because everyone who takes away from this or deceives regarding it, Ganab, another one of those G words, who removes any mm-hmm. aspect of it or says what it offers the, uh, as to takes away from anything that is, uh, deprives the rightful owners by trying to outwit mm-hmm. the heirs, which is really what the world's trying to do relative to Israel. Yeah. You look at the Biden administration. It's telling Israel, you can't build homes in your homeland. That's, that could be just like the, the, uh, the French telling America, you have to stop building homes in Texas. I'm sorry. That's, that's very offensive, building homes. You need to stop doing that. I know that the people there are terrorizing you. I know that, uh, that the land was given to you by God. I don't care about any of that. And I know building a home is a really good thing. And I know that you actually own this property. Nonetheless, we're going to have you stop building homes. They're going to be banished. They're going to be forced to endure eternity elsewhere, while everyone who swears an oath of allegiance will be swept away 
and banished. If you're swearing oath, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Mm-hmm. If you are swearing your allegiance to uh, a military institution, if uh, you are swearing an oath uh, to be part of a government, if you're swearing an oath of of uh, pledging your soul to a religion, it's over. I will produce it, Yahweh says, and extend it. I will bring out the scroll. It's not saying, God's not saying I'm going to write it. It says I'm going to bring it out. And one of the things that struck me as I've been translating Moshe's speeches mm-hmm. is there's something that really resonates deep within us when Yahweh allows someone like Moshe to convey the insights he once shared. Rather than just God booming it out and saying, I'm God, uh, and this is uh, what I'm offering and what I'm expecting in return. Moshe provides a human perspective on who God is and what he is offering after studying and listening to and living the words of God, he is bringing them to us in a way that, that we can relate to, that we can appreciate, that we can capitalize upon. Um, his speeches are easily the best ever written, the most motivating, the most insightful, and and they're very prophetic, and they're largely prophetic of our time. And so, if in fact this giant sign that is being um, uh, lifted up, uh, you know, I, I think of the moving message signs that became so popular. You know, where you you uh, mm-hmm. you, you have the the message that reads across. Uh, and and so that would be the only thing that he would have to relate to. You know, this is a scroll with printing on it, and it's up there in the sky. It's kind of like a, a moving message. If, mm-hmm. if it is his words filtered through uh, the human mindset and perspective, it is how God communicates most effectively. It's his style. It's what uh-huh. he's done from the beginning. And it works. Uh, What you get is the words of God plus some commentary and analysis and insights. So you can say, when God says this, this is what it means. When God is offering this, this is what he expects. If God is condemning this, these are who he's condemning. So I think there is that possibility says I will produce and extend it prophetically declares Yahweh the vast array of spiritual messengers just God has said I'm going to lift up the nesh and it will happen upon the home of the deceiver and the thief and the house of the one who swears and and allegiance in my name using my reputation which is deceptive or misleading Shakur and then it will remain in the midst of the house and consume it from the timbers to the zone. 
Therefore, coterminous with the arrival of the two witnesses, Yahweh's message as it's conveyed through his Torah and prophets is going to be revealed for all to see and read. There are going to be no excuses. Passing God's test should not have been difficult because it is open book. Um, you know, the world has access to what we have learned. We've sure. offered it freely. That said, we should expect deplorable results. God's word will be no more popular then than it is now, with one tiny exception, and that is the Yehudim, Jews, who are not overtly religious, who are not overtly political, who have a genuine interest in understanding and knowing Yada Yahweh, are going to have their eyes opened and their lives will be transformed. But other than that, this is going to be a, a, a demeaning, degrading, destructive time. Many are going to seek to negate the promises that God has made to his people. Man has become exceedingly good at that. Others, like New Testament Christians and Talmud-toting Jews, will claim that they have changed it. And by so doing, they will earn the consequence that Yahweh is warning. Early on, Yahweh told all who would listen that those who curse Yisrael will be cursed in return. God is simply doing what he has promised. Now it's telling that with nearly 2 billion Muslims hell-bent on killing Jews while invading Yisrael, that, uh, that they will be cursed as a result of their belief in Allah. <laughs> Having rendered the, uh, the Quran chronologically, having set it into the context of Muhammad's life as it was revealed in the Hadith, I was able to prove that Allah is Satan, making this consequence all the more appropriate. The key points here that we should expect um, are that there's going to be a literal fulfillment of these prophecies. And these things are not just spoken of in Zachary. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that the speech that Moshe made contains... Mm -hmm. He is speaking of these days and of this particular consequence. Now, the, this... Uh, day that is quickly approaching, Passover in 2030. That is when the two witnesses are going to arrive. Um, and this enormous sign is going to be unfurled for all to, all to see. Everything will become black and white with more dramatic indications of the covenant's benefits along with the implementation of the curses imposed against the anti-Semitic. As a matter of fact, and his speech in Debatim 29 and 30, mm -hmm. uh, Moshe actually says the same thing, that uh, mm. all of the, the things that 
the goyim did to Israel are going to be thrust upon the goyim. They're going to get what they gave. There's going to be recompense. Now, up to this point, there have been three outcomes, as we know, for human souls. Life with Yahweh, eternity in Sheol, or death with those souls ceasing to exist. But at this point, there'll be no middle ground. Everyone will be either deemed to be with Yahweh and his people or against them. As such, anyone who attempts to discount the Torah, to misappropriate what belongs to Yisrael, are going to be banished to an eternity in Sheol. The cost of dishonesty now, especially regarding Yahweh, is a long stay in hell. The timing of up or down and of no in-between seems to coincide with the arrival of the two witnesses and with the unfurling of this sign. And it is telling that the word of God will literally consume those who deceive. There will be nothing left. The word of Yahweh will not be acting alone. The branch is returning. And he is the, well, one of the two, certainly, most amazing individuals to have ever walked the earth. Um, The more time I spend listening to Moshe, (laughs) Moshe. the more I have to say, man, that is one square away dude. Whoa. It's uh, pretty darn hard to say, well, uh, Dode is better than Moshe. I, I think it's fair to say. These are the two most important individuals who have ever um, spoken. So this um, branch uh, that is returning is Dode David. He is the son of God. He is the chosen one. He is the firstborn. He is God's shepherd, Messiah, and king. Addressing the cleansed and restored high priest, Yosha ben Yosadak, God asks Zachariah to do the following. Say to him, Thus says Yahweh of the heavenly helpers, communicating, Behold, the individual who is known as Shemach, the branch, will branch out and grow in his place. And he will build at that moment in time the residence and temple of Yahweh. Zechariah 6.12. And so it will be. Though David will have the great honor of overseeing the construction of Yahweh's residence on earth upon his return. The man who has always been known as the Shemach branch will once again become the catalyst for our growth. And while we've seen it before, It is still a bit startling to see Yahweh refer to someone from the house of Yahuda serving as an adorned Kohen priest. But there has never been a guy suited to do it all other than Dode. 
this is how I'm anticipating seeing him for the first time. He will build the royal residence of Yahweh with his authority and continence, and they will be lifted up and upheld. Then he will sit and remain upon his throne, and he will govern with symbolic narratives. Additionally, he will be dressed as a priest upon his seat of honor. Advice and counsel on peace and prosperity, satisfaction and contentment, the blessings of reconciliation and freedom will exist to encourage understanding by making the connections between both of these responsibilities. Now, I, I told you. Mm-hmm. I told you, told you, told you that the reason that the story of, of Yosha Yaosadak is uh, in Zechariah 3, followed by the two witnesses in 4, is because Dote is going to be responsible for sprinkling the blood on the Kaporeth mercy seat that makes Yahweh's return and the reconciliation of his people on Yom Kippurim legit. Sync with the Torah. Do you think that after all of this time that Yahweh's going to say, ah, let's do it a different way. I don't think I want to adhere to the Torah on Yom Kippurim. Hmm. He is going to he is going to execute and fulfill Yom Kippur exactly as it's written in the Torah, which means somebody dressed as a high priest needs to sprinkle the blood of the bull and that scapegoat onto the Kippurah mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, and that's going to be the branch dode because the king. And the branch is going to be dressed as a high priest. That's why we had that whole conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And what's so spectacular, what did Dode want to do more than anything? What was the one thing God would not allow him to do that was the most important thing to him? What is the passage that began everything that, that we've done? The first passage I translated 20 years ago that is now turned into 20 volumes. I want to build Yahweh's house. What is Yahweh saying? Okay, kid. Okay, build it. Here you go. You can can build it. I know that's what you wanted. You can build it. I know that's going to make you exceedingly happy, and it's going to make me happy to see you happy. You can build it, but before you build it, you're going to take care of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. All comes full circle. Mm -hmm. Everything that God has said, the Torah is fulfilled. His son gets this great distinction. The mercy seat is uh, made available. The chosen people. And it's so like Yahweh to say, all right, I'm not going to mention Dode's name here. What I'm going to tell you is that he's going to sit and remain on his throne. 
I've only told you one person is going to come back and uh, and his kingdom reestablished, and that's Dote. See if you can figure it out. That he's going to build the royal residence. I had a whole prophetic dissertation on Dode building the royal residence. See if you can figure it out. That the title Yahweh uses to describe Dode more than any other is the Shemek branch. See if you can figure it out. And oh, by the way, he's going to be dressed as a priest. Why do you think I had that whole uh, presentation of the, we got to clean up a priest. We got to get somebody dressed as a priest. Otherwise, this day of days, the greatest day ever cannot materialize as it is prophesied unless somebody is dressed up as a priest. And it's got to be somebody that's right. And oh, by the way, just as another little clue, what was the reason originally that Dode couldn't build the house of Yah? Blood on his hands. What does he have to do to usher in Yom Kippurim in accordance with the Torah? Blood on his hands, sprinkle it on the <laughs> Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> so now you can see why when, when uh, after not having a clue as to what in the world is, uh, why are we talking about Yosha ben Yosadak? Why are we turning, talking about what he is wearing in this celebration of Yom Kippurim? Why do we go then to the two witnesses and this sign being held up so people understand? You love the transition. And yeah. all of a sudden, you read this and you say, oh, 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 I get it now. The whole picture from beginning to end falls into place. Our whole journey together falls into place. That kind of stuff is really exciting. The advice and counsel on peace and prosperity. What, by the way, was, um, did Yahweh ask Dode to name his son? Shalom. Shalom. What is this word right here? Shalom. Mm -hmm. And it's all going to exist to make the connections needed to understand. The end. So, yeah, it was a great dad. And this is so cool what he's doing. More than anything, yeah, we could build the temple himself. But that's... You don't work that way. goes against the prime directive. The prime directive is I want to work through people. I want to work with people. I want to explore the universe with you. I want to have a family. I, I want us to be together and do stuff together. This is my guy. He's the one that's going to build my house. His son wanted to build a home for his father. He had acquired Mount Moriah, including what's known as the Temple Mount. And he had stockpiled all the materials. The king's longing to build God's house precipitated the impassioned exchange between the beloved Dode, the gift, Nathan, and Yahweh. 
that's chronicled in Second Samuel uh, 7. And it is that very prophetic portrayal of a father's love for his son that served to attract the children. Without that prophecy, we are not here. Everything that has followed was inspired by that specific prophecy. It's like we're seeing our entire life and purpose together before our eyes. And yet it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Dode and Yahweh and that mercy seat and the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim. And yet there's that sign sitting up in the air and God's come in full circle with everything that he has done with us after identifying who that second witness is going to be. Over the ensuing 20 years, we've come to behold and lift up the hode, the continence and authority of Dode as God's beloved son. We have witnessed his special place with Yah, coming to appreciate the honor and glory the father is affording his son. We first witnessed this prophecy about building Yahweh's home as it is recorded in Shamuel. He listens to God, Second Samuel 7. Now, I'll never forget that moment. I was pacing in the log cabin that I had built along a picturesque whitewater stream. Guess what the name of that stream was? The company <laughs> branch. Pretty cool. Meandering through the woods of my Virginia <laughs> yeah, no home. Yeah, so I tell you. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, had, uh, I had just returned from surviving a meeting with uh, Islamic jihadists in Israel and was attempting to share my experience in tea with terrorists. Uh, it was uh, as if a limb from one of the towering red oaks and white oaks. By the way, guess what a red and white oak is called in Hebrew? Allah. <laughs> That <laughs> hit me square between the eyes as the wind stirred outside of that column. It was a cool spring. No matter which Bible I uh, queried, every translation of 2 Samuel 7 was wrong. And it was then and there that my quest to know the truth, to understand what God actually revealed began. That's when the first words that ultimately would be put up under that sign were written. Twenty years have passed, mm. and now you are reading the result. Yada, Yahweh. After having translated Samuel's, he listens to God to Samuel 7, seven times. I am excited to read about its fulfillment in Zechariah. It was always so inspiring, and it became more and more inspiring the more we would consider it. But it always left this, this there's got to be more to this story. Doge genuinely wants to build the house. It's the passion of his life. And, and uh, God says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. At, at this time, do you recall me saying, build me a house of cedar? No, 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 no. Oh, well, there's, then he goes on to wax poetic and say all these wonderful things about Dode and Dode's return 
and and how wonderful the relationship is. And uh, now we have the rest of the story. Toad gets to build the house after all. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a perfect inclusion. So I'm I'm genuinely happy for you, and I'm thrilled for Toad, even personally fulfilled to be sharing this as a witness. This is their reunion, and it's as if um, we're witnessing the birth of Yada in the middle of the conception of Yada Yawa from the vantage point of where it has all led, which is to Dode building Yawa's home and then reigning, reigning as king. Yes, Yawa's promises to his son will be honored. The Shemek branch has grown. The purpose has been upheld. But it is far from ending. The author of the Mashal Proverbs will govern through them. Sharing their parental advice, Dode will continue to lead through his lyrics, his counsel. His ongoing narratives will serve to explain the things of God and the universe in such a way that we will be able to make the kinds of comparisons which lead to understanding. Just as Yahweh allowed Moshe to compose the most important part of the Torah, which is the Badim, he's allowing Dod to be our guide through eternity. God loves it when these special individuals like Moshe and Dod come to understand who he is, what he's offering, what he expects in return, and then to have them put it into their own words in a way that resonates with us. Now, we're no longer broadcasting, but the majority of no, our family is, uh, is, is listening on the, uh, the phone as they call into the program. And as mm-hmm. we know, 99% of the listenership of this program is in the archives, and we are still recording. So we'll go a little further. Uh, into okay. uh, into this and, and, and pick it up uh, again next week. Uh, it is marvelous that Yahweh's promises to his son are going to be honored this way. It is so Yahweh to dress his son up in white linen and the garments that he designed for the priests, the very attire we considered in Zechariah 3. It is why that story was presented immediately before the revelation of the witness now, and it leads to its affirmation. Yeah, I'm laughing now because Yahweh has upended the religious interpretation of using Yosha to, to represent Dode rather than the other way around. You know, the most popular religion in the world uh, uses okay. Dode to represent Yosha, <laughs> their Jesus. A twisting there. And, and, yeah, I was now doing the other thing. Okay. <laughs> Two can play this game. I'm going to use <laughs> Yosha to represent Dode. It's uh, just so perfect in the world that we're in today. Uh, it is Dode whom Yahweh has chosen to perform. As his Torah instructs, approaching the Kaporeth mercy seat on Kaporim, reconciliations on behalf of Yisrael. That is what this is announcing. 
say to him, Yosha, thus says Yahweh of the heavenly messengers, by communicating, behold, look now and see, the individual who is known as and is named Shamak, the branch, will branch out and grow in this place, and he will build at that moment in time the royal residence and temple of Yahweh. And that is why we find a Messiah king dressed as a priest upon the seat of honor. Now, I can share another profound insight here. The, the reason Yahweh told Dode that he would not be permitted, and we just hinted at this, but mm-hmm. let's, let's actually go through the text, that he would not be permitted to build the initial home of Yahweh, which no longer exists, by the way, and the new one's going to exist for as long as the earth exists. Well, this is from Chronicles uh, 22, 8 and 9. The word of Yahweh came to me saying, A great amount of blood you have poured out as you have fought great battles. So you will not build this house for my name because of the abundance of the blood you have shed in the land in my presence. Behold, a son shall be born to you who will be a man of repose and relative ease for Solomon, Solomon, shall be his name. Solomon, mm-hmm. in a more favorable circumstance, I will give to Israel in this day. God's not condemning Dote for having blood on his hands. He says, I was right there with you. No, uh, he you, blood forever, you fought great battles. I was right there with you. You defended the people. Yeah. He's not judging him. He's not condemning him. <laughs> but he's noting that he has blood on his hands, and, it, and then he turns to Shalom, which takes us right back to this passage. It's prophetic. Mm-hmm. So with blood on his hands as a result of defending Israel from Par, Seir, Chata, and Pasha, let's begin, make a thoughtful connection to what will occur on Yom Kippurim. Remember, that we were told that the alternate or stand-in thing to facilitate reconciliation. This is what we uh-huh. read. Aaron, which means the alternative, should approach with the bull for being wrong and having missed the way for his benefit and for the purpose of reconciliations. Ha, walk afar. Through this Uh, and for this purpose of reconciliation, through this for himself and for his house and family. He should take the life of the bull as the resolution for having been wrong for his benefit. And he should obtain some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his fingers on the face of the mercy seat, Hakaporeth, on the eastern side, beginning of a new day on the eastern side then towards the front of the mercy seat Hakaporeth he should sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times next he should prepare the goat striking out at that which is stubborn and annoying 
to provide the means to resolve iniquity and pardon sin for having gone astray, for the benefit now of the people, and return with its blood toward the house and through the curtain and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull upon the Kaporath mercy seat and towards the front of the mercy seat. And then he shall provide reconciliation kafar upon the set-apart place as a result of the impurity and filthiness of the children of Israel, and as a result of their religious rebellion and political defiance, it will be resolved along with the realization that they have been totally wrong and have wandered away. Therefore, he should act accordingly, doing this to approach the shining and clear tent of the eternal witness and restoring testimony of the appointed meeting, which is inhabited and abides with them in the midst of their impurity and filthiness. Just because Yisrael is finally coming to Yada Yahweh does not mean that they've got their act together and that they're totally right and that they're cleansed of rabbinical Judaism or uh, liberal politics. And so they need the benefit of being perfected because if ever a people have been wrong, they've been wrong. God is going to resolve that problem so that he can reconcile the descendants of Abraham and Yishak and Jacob on Yom Kippurim by doing exactly what he instructed Aaron to do this time having his beloved son, the Messiah, do it. It is such a, a, a perfect fulfillment of the most important and happiest day in the history of the universe. Aaron and Yosha would be symbolic of what Yahweh will have Do do for his people on this day, and he will act in accordance with the Torah to reconcile the relationship with Yisrael and Yehuda uh, via the Kaporeth on Kaporam leading to Sukkah. And now we know why the blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat. We know why it would come from a par and from a seir and not the Passover al. We also know why it would occur on Kaporam and not Pesach. Therefore, Dode's role will continue as it has always been. This is returning now to Zechariah 6.13. Advice and counsel on peace and prosperity, satisfaction and contentment, the blessings of reconciliation, shalom, shall exist to encourage understanding by making the connections between all of these responsibilities. Shalom indeed. Bien indeed. We find a future where we began. It all ties back to Shamuel 2 Samuel 7. And it came to pass when the king sat down and relaxed in his home, 
because Yahweh had given him a comforting respite from his adversaries, that the king said to the gift, Nathan, the prophet, please look around. I live in a house of cedar, but the ark of God sits within curtains. So Nathan said to the king, choose to go out and do all that is in your best judgment for Yahweh. But then that evening it came to be that the word of Yahweh came to Nathan. He conveyed, go and tell Dode, my co-worker, that this is what Yahweh said. Why should you build me a home to live in? Indeed, I have not lived in any house since the time that I lifted the children of Israel out of the crucibles of religious and political oppression in Mitzrayim. Even to this day, I have existed going along in a tent dwelling. Anywhere along the way that I have journeyed with the children of Israel, did I say a single word to any of the tribes of Israel, my people, Israel, whom I fed, asking, why not build me a house of Stephen? Therefore, say to my associate, Dode, this is what Yahweh of the spiritual implement says. I took you from the sheepfolds, from chasing after lammies, to being the leader over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have traveled. I have cut off your enemies, removing them from your sight. I have made your name great, comparable to the names of the greatest on earth. Furthermore, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and I will plant them there such that they may dwell within this place of their own and never have to move again. Neither shall the son of evil afflict them any more, as will have been the case. And since that time that I instructed the judges in conjunction with my people, Yisrael, I have created for you a respite from all of your enemies. Moreover, Yahweh is boldly and publicly announcing for you that indeed he will act engaging with you to create a home. Moreover, Yahweh is boldly and publicly announcing for you that indeed he will act engaging with you to create the family home. Surely your days will be proclaimed and fulfilled after your relaxing rest with your fathers. Your days will be fulfilled after your relaxing rest with your fathers. Then I will raise up and take a stand to bring to fruition that which you have sown. Without hesitating or delaying your approach to providing the way to the benefits of the relationship, this shall be extracted and withdrawn and then delivered out of a small particle of your physiological nature. And so I will establish his ring, reign over his kingdom, Yahweh says to us about Dode. He himself shall reestablish and restore a home for my name, and I will fashion and form 
the place of honor of his kingdom as an eternal witness forever. I myself will be a father for him, and he shall be my son. So when that which is perverted and twisted is associated with him, I will correctly reciprocate and argue on his behalf, deciding to be with him, chastised with the scepter of this man, and by assaulting so as to end the lives of the children of Adam. Then my steadfast love and enduring mercy shall not be taken away from him in the manner that I rejected it being associated with Shaul, whom to show the way to the benefits of the relationship I removed before your appearance. Moreover, your house will remain established, verified and true, and your kingdom and reign will exist forever as an eternal witness in association with my presence. Your throne and place of honor shall exist and be established forevermore. Consistent with all of these words and everything within this revelation, Nathan correctly conveyed them to doubt. Every word of that is best understood from the perspective God just shared through Zachariah. Yes, now we know what house that Dode is building. Mm-hmm. Now we know exactly what is happening, why it's happening. It all fits together when we join the prophets Shamuel and Zachariah on this day and understand exactly why Yahweh was talking to him about building a home. One prophecy flows into the other, all leading us to the same place. Yahweh's return with his son and the king of Yisrael on Yom Kippur. And as with Dod, to a significant degree, so too with all of the covenant's children. It is an honor to be invited into their company. It is glorious to see Yada Yahweh in such magnificent company. And the crown has always been and will continue to exist. Purpose of Shalem being restored through Tobiah, Yah's goodness by Yada Yahweh, by knowing and understanding Yahweh, in order to chin receive mercy as a Yahufatan child who treasures Yahweh, valuing what he has hidden for us to discover, especially as a way to memorialize the inheritance rite and commemorate the symbolism associated with the royal residence and temple of Yahweh. Even we have been written into this story because even we play a part. Zechariah 6.14
I say we uh, we stop there and return to this next okay. week. It's uh, it's That's pretty hard That's to read this wow. and have one's eyes not tear up. It's, no joke. It's so spectacular to see Yahweh honoring his son in this way, and for us to be there sharing this moment. I. Not just sharing it as as uh, people who who have been invited to witness it. We're sharing this moment with the opportunity to witness to it. It is the uh, the greatest day in the history of days, and we now know exactly how it's going to unfold, and it's perfect. May Yahweh bless. Uh, may you have a wonderful uh, Shabbat to one and all. Look forward to being with you this time next week. Hopefully I'll be a little less emotional, but this one yeah. uh, this is yeah, about as powerful as it uh, it gets uh, my uh, fellow covenant members. This is, this is pretty spectacular what uh, Yahweh is saying. Um, yes, sir. May Yahweh bless. <clears throat> Good night, everyone. Thank you, Kirk. Good night. Shalom, shalom. Good night. Good night.